0: Only the spirit of man
1: knows the things of a man, and only the spirit of God knows the things of God. This is Matt Miller, and I've been filling in for Chris Wild this week, and this is our third program in a row on this critical matter of the spirit of man. And joining me for this important subject is Bob Danker. Bob, I'm glad you could join us
2: again. It's my pleasure, Matt, to be back on the program with you to uh, get into this As you said, it is a critical matter, the spirit of man. If we don't know our spirit, I would say we really cannot live a Christian
3: life. You are here with me on Wednesday for the first of three programs about
1: only the spirit of man knowing the things of a man. And we had a very enjoyable time. And yesterday I told Francis Ball, as we covered the second message on this uh, subject, that We almost need an entire program just to cover this critical matter. So I'm glad that we could finish this week to cover the spirit
3: of man. This really is a critical item in the Christian life, isn't it? It really
2: is. And Matt, this is clearly shown here in this epistle to the Corinthians. In this epistle, we realize that there were at least 11 significant problems Mm. in the church in Corinth. Paul addresses these problems. And in the beginning of this book, the first problem he encountered was the problem of division. And it's quite impressive to see the way Paul handled this problem. He didn't try to address the problem or correct the Corinthians in an outward way. He was, I would say, struggling here in the beginning of the book to cause the Corinthian believers to realize that they depended too much on their Greek philosophical logic and way of thinking. They were trying to live the Christian life in their mentality. This is impossible. So Paul was endeavoring here in the beginning of this book to help them to realize that they were in the wrong realm. They were in the mind. They should instead turn to their regenerated spirit, which is mingled with the Spirit of God. If they would turn from their mind to their spirit, they would begin to understand what Paul understood concerning them as men. He knew where the Corinthians were, but the Corinthians were in darkness. They were absolutely blind to their own condition. They couldn't see. Then they would also understand the things of the Spirit of God. These are the things which eye has not seen, which ear has not heard, and which have never come up in man's heart, which God has prepared for us who love him. These Corinthians, because they remained in their mind, they were absolutely isolated and separated from these deep and hidden things of God. Only the Spirit of God can reveal the things of God to our spirit. So you can see here Paul's... Goal here was to turn them away from their mind to their regenerated, mingled human spirit. This is a tremendous matter, and all of us, as Christians, this is our number one problem. We rely on our mind, and we don't turn to our
3: spirit. It's a good point, Bob, and just wanted to remind the listeners of something we covered
1: Monday of this week, and uh, which was at the beginning of Chapter Two that Paul determined not to know anything among the Corinthians, except Christ and him crucified. As you're saying, they depended too much on their knowledge. They were so much considering their Greek knowledge, and yet in all their uh, mental exercises, so to speak, they were in the darkness. They didn't understand anything. And Paul, who did have a lot of knowledge, said, I don't know anything except Christ and him crucified,
3: which really is to know your spirit, isn't it? That's right, man. Paul was a pattern. For the Corinthians, and he was also a pattern for us. Let's join Witness Lee now for today's life study from 1 Corinthians chapter 2.
4: We all know using different organs to touch or to sense anything makes big difference. Now, I am speaking. If you close your ears, only exercise your nose, (laughs) to smell my speaking, what would be the result? You would say, nothing here. Nothing here. Something is going on. But you don't realize why you use the wrong organ. Another illustration, you are quarreling with your dear wife. Where? Your emotion. You got offended. You feel unhappy. If you would turn, you just turn a little bit from your emotion to your will. I tell you, that will change you. You are using your emotion too much to condemn your wife. If you would use your will instead of your emotion, you would understand your wife in another way. Am I right? Today concerning Christ and concerning the church. Nearly all Christians were taught to know Christ by their mind based upon traditional teaching. That training is to train the Christian mind to realize the situation concerning the churches based upon their tradition.
1: Bob, if we can learn how to turn to our spirit, it will really change us. But if we stay in our mind and we stay in our emotions, the problems are just going to stay there, aren't they?
2: That's right. You know, our mind is the wrong organ. As Witness Lee used this example, you cannot hear with your nose. You can hear only with your ears. Right. Your ears are the right organ for you to hear. So our spirit is the right organ for us to know the things concerning man. Only the spirit of man knows the things concerning man. Our mind cannot know these things. And on the other hand, only the spirit of God knows the things concerning God. So if we use our mind to understand the things related to Christ and even related to the church, we will not understand these things because the mind is simply the wrong organ if we would turn to our spirit exercise our spirit to touch the spirit of god who dwells in our spirit then we would have the capacity to know the things concerning man and the things concerning god you see it's just like using your ears to hear it's using your tongue to taste You have to use the right organ. Otherwise, you get nothing. There's nothing there. There's nothing for you to apprehend or realize if you
1: use the wrong organ. But to help our listeners, what does it mean to use our spirit? I just want to make sure anyone
3: listening right now doesn't leave here in a confused way. Well, I would say,
2: Matt, the best way to use our spirit is to pray and to turn to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I am now going to consider my situation or i'm now going to read your word lord i realize if i use my mind i will never understand i will never touch the reality lord strengthen me strengthen me to use my spirit so that i can touch you and know the things that are revealed in your word concerning yourself and concerning your church
1: Reminds me of the verse that says, apart from me, you cannot do anything. Apart from our spirit, we cannot read the Bible. We can't understand the Bible. We need to
3: contact the Lord, be with the Lord to do anything. We can't even pray without
2: our spirit. Uh, if we try to pray just using our mind, just thinking, of praying according to our thoughts, we will find out that our prayers would just fall to the ground, so to speak. But we have to use our spirit, the deepest part of
3: our being, In order to pray. So, if everyone would pray in this way and
1: use their spirit in every situation, so many problems would go away. This is what we were talking about the other day. And also, how could a person even be an atheist if he would pray and use
2: his spirit? Is that possible, Bob? It's not possible. A person is an atheist simply because he remains in his mind and says, Well, there's no God because I didn't find him in my own thoughts and I didn't find him in the physical realm so there must be no God. The way to find God is in the spirit, in the spiritual realm, because God himself is a spirit.
1: And I know some stories of atheists who said they had worked it all out in their mind, and then they got into a difficult situation, and the first thing they did is they started to pray. You know, the saying that there's no atheists in a foxhole, because when you get in a difficult situation— you're, maybe your life is threatened. The first reaction is your spirit rises up to pray. God, help me
3: if you're real. And right away, God becomes real to these people and their whole life is changed. That's exactly right, man. It's all a matter of using the right organ. Bob, let's go on to the next portion with Witness Lee and discuss this matter of Christ living in us or
1: being in us.
4: A Christian in this country put out a book saying... That Christ is not in us. Actually, Christ is in the heavens. Only this Holy Spirit represents Christ in us. This is in writing. This is in publication. Well, concerning Christ being in us, let's turn to John 14, verse 17. The spirit of truth, whom the world is unable to know. But we believers know him because he will be with us. Not only so, but also shall be in us. This is clear, right? Verse 18. I will not leave you an orphan. I will come to you. Is this the second coming? If this is the second coming, my goodness, all the Christians have been left on this earth as orphans for 2,000 years. Okay, verse 19. For a little while, and the world sees me no more. But ye see me. Why you will see me? Because I live. You shall live. What does this mean? This indicates, I will live in you to make you live by me. In the night of his resurrection, we all know this, he came back to disciples and he breathed upon them. Then out of a sudden, he disappeared. He was not gone. He disappeared. Where? He disappeared. He disappeared within them. From that night, the resurrected and living Jesus began to live within his disciples. Amen. To make his disciples to live by him. Then, verse 20, and that day ye shall know, know what? That I am in the heavens. <laughs> well, this is the traditional teaching of Christianity. But the Lord says, you shall know. That I am in my Father, and he in me, and I in Amen. you. Is this a kind of representation? Then you all know the next chapter that says, I am the Vine, you are the branches, abide in me, and I in you. Abiding means what? To remain. Jesus is remaining in you. He abides in you. This is not a representation, but abiding.
1: Yeah. Bob, this is a strong point. And I just want to repeat one of the concepts that Witness Lee exposed there, which I think a lot of people, if they'll be honest, They would think exactly what he said, that in the day of resurrection, in John chapter 14, when he said, in that day, you will know that I am in the heavens.
3: That's what a lot of people think, but that's not what the Bible says, is it? That's not what the Lord
2: said. And, you know, there is a traditional interpretation of these verses in John 14. And that traditional interpretation is that the Lord said he would pray and ask the Father, to send another comforter. And this comforter would be in the disciples. And he uh, would represent the Lord Jesus in the disciples. Meanwhile, the Lord would go away to heaven. And then he would return at the end of this age, in his second coming, to receive the believers to himself. This is the traditional understanding of these verses. And this traditional understanding is arrived at By exercising one's mind, (laughs) by not exercising our spirit. If we read these verses carefully by exercising our spirit, we will find out that the Holy Spirit who dwells in us is not the Lord's representative and that the Lord did not go away to heaven and leave us here on the earth. He came back to the disciples, not 2,000 years later, but three days later. Then he said, you'll see me again because I live. When did the Lord live? He lived on the day of his resurrection. He was resurrected to live again. Then he said, you will live also. So we live because he lives. And actually, we live because he lives within us. So the Lord was telling the disciples that the spirit who would dwell in them was actually the Lord himself himself in his resurrection. So in verse 20, he said very plainly, in that day, what day? The day of the Lord's resurrection. The disciples would know that the Lord Jesus is in the Father, and we are in him, and he, the Lord Jesus, is in us. So here is a plain word showing us that on the day of the Lord's resurrection, the Lord entered into his disciples to live in, in them. This is not a traditional view. This is a view under the enlightening of the Holy Spirit who dwells in our spirit. Then we can know that it Christ dwells within us. He abides in us, as John 15 says, right? right. He not only dwells in us, he remains in us. He lives in us. So this is a, a very good example for us, showing that we should not read the Scriptures nor understand them according to a traditional view that's based upon our mentality. We have to read the Scriptures in our spirit so that we can know the things of the Lord, the deep things of God, which are related to Christ as the life-giving Spirit dwelling within our spirit.
1: When the Bible says, Abide in me and I in you, it really means Christ is in us. Even, uh, I was thinking of 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says that test yourselves whether Christ is in you, lest you be disapproved. And this is really not a small thing, is it, Bob? I mean, we're not just making an issue of a small thing. This is really a practical
3: matter of the Christian life of Christ living in us. I recall the first
2: day about 29 years ago when I saw for the first time that Christ lived in me. On one hand, he is in heaven. On the other hand, he lives within us. And this, I would say, revolutionized my Christian life. Me too. Bob, let's go on to the final
1: portion with Witness Lee, and he's going to get into this, more about this matter of being in the mind versus being in the spirit.
4: The truth concerning this matter of Christ being with us, it has two sides, yes? On one side he went to the heavens and he sent down the Holy Spirit, this one side. On the other side, he is really within us. Amen. Nothing can exist without two sides. But poor, poor Christians, they just teach and understand the truth all the way according to one side. So they got a lot of problems and they make a lot of problems and they have a lot of arguments. For you remain in your mind, you understand these things are contradiction. That is one picture. When you exercise your spirit, I tell you, you see another picture. Hey. To remain in the mind, you see one picture. And to turn to the spirit, you see another picture. Okay. Now let us come back to First Corinthians. Paul says, Corinthians, you remain in your mind. In your mind, you don't see yourself. In your mind, you don't know yourself. In your mind, you don't know all the things concerning you. You are now standing in the wrong position. You are in the wrong condition. You are in the wrong situation. And you have lost all the supply of your needs. Now you understand. These two chapters, right? You have to forget about your philosophical mentality. You have to exercise your spirit period when you would use your spirit you will find out in your spirit there's another spirit that is the spirit of god then you will know the things of men concerning you you will also know the things of god concerning your blessing your destiny that is christ could you follow me then you will know yourself and you will know christ
3: Bob, this is marvelous. You will know yourself, and you will know Christ. What, what are your final words today?
2: Well, this is marvelous, Matt, and I think you would agree with me that before we began to exercise our spirit, and before we discovered that there's another spirit, the Spirit of God who dwells in our spirit, we did not know ourselves at all. That's right. We thought we were quite good. Uh, we realized we might be weak in certain areas, but we thought pretty highly of ourselves. And uh, also, we, in one sense, we thought we knew the Lord, but we really didn't know the Lord. We did not know Christ, because we cannot know Christ as long as we remain in our mentality. It's impossible. That's the wrong organ. But when we began to exercise our spirit and we began to experience the indwelling of the Spirit of God within our spirit. I would say the lights went on. The light within us begins to shine, and we begin to see things concerning ourselves that we never knew. We see things in the Bible about man that we never realized. And the greatest thing of all is that we begin to know Christ in a deeper way because only the Spirit of God can reveal Christ to our spirit. So, in order to know Christ, in order to know Him by revelation, and in order to know Him in our experience, in order to enjoy Him, we must make a crucial turn in our Christian life from our mind to our spirit. Once we make this turn, everything changes. As Witness Lee said, we have another picture, a picture of ourselves. The picture of ourselves changes and the picture of Christ also changes. This is a great thing.
1: It's really true. A picture is worth a thousand words. And once you see a picture, you actually know more than if you try to understand the thing without having the vision. I was thinking how uh, some people might think when they hear us say, we need to turn from your mind to your spirit, that we're mindless people. Well, Absolutely not. The people who turn to their spirit, they know more.
3: That's right. Because
1: the verse in 1 Corinthians 2 says, no one knows the things of a man except the spirit of man within him. So the real knowledge comes from the seeing a picture in the spiritual realm. I just hope this word could really be practical to a lot of our listeners.
2: Yes, Matt. It doesn't mean that we don't use our mind at all, but we give up our dependence on our own understanding ability and we turn, even we turn our mind to our spirit so that the spirit of God in our spirit can enlighten our mind. If we don't turn to our spirit then our mind is just in darkness. Well we hope
1: some light has come to the listeners today and thank you very much for being with us for this third program and the final program of this week related to The Spirit of Man, and especially from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you'd like to get a printed copy of this life study, please call us at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Bob, it's been really good having you with me this week.
2: Matt, it's been a real pleasure.
1: And it's really been good to be with you this week as I filled in for Chris Wild. He'll be back with you on Monday. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thank you for listening.
0: Dear Lord, we give
4: ourselves to Thee.
1: Receive us into
0: Thy wise hands, and break and build
2: together with Thee.
0: In both the first and last book of the Bible. God presents Himself to man as the tree of life. Throughout the Bible, God is portrayed as food for man to eat and life for man to enjoy. In the tree of life, Witness Lee presents a view of God's heart that is little understood and seldom experienced by Christians today. Revealing that it is God's desire that we receive Christ, experience Christ, and enjoy Christ as our moment-by-moment supply. The Tree of Life from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere.